Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, attorney blogger on Bowtie Law and with Jessica Meterson on The Legal Geeks. Now, we have a special one-shot series to address Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with our friend, Judge Matthew Sherino from New York, uh, judge in, in New York City, and Jerry O'Brien, author of the Steampunk uh, book 1901, which I'm reading and loving because it's Theodore Roosevelt as vice president fighting robots and people with Tesla visions, and it's awesome, and we'll, we'll do a podcast on that one. And he's a New York City political consultant. And we are going to talk about former agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or are they still agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what would happen when a massive organization like that would take such a decapitation strike at the end of Captain America, Winter Soldier, and the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, Turn, Turn, Turn. Gentlemen, how you both doing? We're good. Hey, Josh. Excellent. So, Jerry, I've enjoyed chatting with you over Facebook, and I know you're a longtime S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, but what do you like about the comic and the series so far? Well, I remember buying the very first issue of Strange Adventures with, or Strange Tales with Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was when they sort of pushed him into the future because he was then only known as Sergeant Fury from World War II. And it was very much based on the Man from Uncle TV series. It was a very science fiction oriented adventure series for a comic book. And that's what I was hoping for with Marvel's Agents of Shields. And we've we've seen a glimmer of that in a few episodes with the flying car and a couple of exotic weapons. But it's almost as if they haven't been really willing to embrace their roots and it's like they're more of a network procedural show. I think that's why it hasn't caught on as much as it should. Yeah, I, I agree that it's, I, I think, especially in the beginning episodes, uh, had a, and still, although maybe coming out of it now, has literally identity crisis in, in that it didn't know what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a superhero show? Did it want to be a 007 special agent show? Did it want to be Mission Impossible? And it was trying to be all things, but yet be nothing. And, and as, as a result, I really think that it did not establish an identity early on, which made it not grab an audience uh, early on uh, and still is struggling to find an audience. But I think at least in the last uh, three, four five episodes, I guess I think it, it has kind of found its identity in, in, in being the, the, the show that I think has really gotten good in the last couple episodes. It's gotten a lot better. I think they've been forced to sort of embrace their roots. I'd like to see more of it. And we saw in this last episode, Turn, 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 what I think is a way out for them, for them to fully accept the fact that it's a science fiction-oriented adventure spy series. And Josh, when you and I chatted the other day online, I think I used the phrase Mission Impossible on steroids. That's what this show should be. You know, there have been other spy shows like Mission Impossible, like J.J. Abrams' TV show Alias 10 years ago, that really embraced the science fictional elements of their roots, and they did very, very well. S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to do the same thing. Um, I watched the episode again tonight, and there was a line I heard that I missed the first time, which, if you think about it, it's kind of interesting. Garrett's uh, protege, Trip, refers to Coulson as a zombie robot back from the dead. Great line. Absolutely. I, I say they go with it. Now, Josh, you and I have talked online, and I think uh, 
Matt, we've also mentioned it, the big reveal at the end of this episode with Ward being, Ward apparently killing Victoria Hand and two other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. I posit that he is actually working for Coulson and Victoria Hand and the two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents he shot were life model decoys, which for those of you that are not S.H.I.E.L.D. aficionados are basically androids programmed to look and talk just like a specific individual. They're indistinguishable from the real people. And they're used in the comic books many, many times so that Nick Fury and other top S.H.I.E.L.D. agents aren't killed. I think that's what happened here. And I, I, I agree. I, I think it's, it's almost obvious that, that he's a double agent. And the only thing that, that makes me somewhat think that might not be is because it's almost too obvious. Uh, but, but clearly, in, in order to get into uh, HYDRA the same way that HYDRA was able to very successfully get into S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the only way for him to have done that was to give a very visible sign uh, to his old commander and, and mentor that I'm with you, I'm, I'm Hydra here, I'm going to kill the people that are, that are keeping uh, you captive and now take me to your leader. And I agree with that as well because Victoria Hand is too strong of a character for them to bump off because she's alive in the comics. So I don't think they would break that continuity. Plus I love those red highlights. I mean, no, yeah. nothing beats those red highlights. I mean... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The characters, the characters, a you know a fun character, and and she was introduced during uh, Dark Reign, when Norman Osborn takes over Shield after the Secret Invasion, and she is his number one when Shield turns into Hammer, and then uh, when Steve Rogers comes back from the dead, even though he wasn't really dead, but that's too complicated to explain. See, see and this is all new to me because I, I have I can I have never read a Shield comic. I it's, have I, I have never I, I don't know anything about Shield out out of the Marvel uh, movie and television show universe. So I, I love hearing you guys talk about this stuff because to me it's 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 like foreshadowing stuff that's going to be coming. So it's it, it's we great. hope we we <laughs> hope we hope. So I don't want. Hand to have been bumped off because she's too good a character, and the actress who plays her just nails the character of you know the tough as nails, business as usual, I'll get the job done, uh, leader, and you know, I don't want her to be dead. So, and I would it would make sense they would use LMDs because if they were using blanks or dummy bullets, because Ward does change the clip right before shooting. Uh, hand and the other two agents uh, they're on an airplane the risk of bodies being dumped exactly way, way too dangerous so i don't uh, see them stopping somewhere to dig three graves they're no. going to toss those bodies overboard and earlier in the same episode colson refuses to shoot hand when Garrett suggested, without some kind of interrogation. And so if Ward is still a good, loyal S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, he's not going to kill other good, loyal S.H.I.E.L.D. agents just to fabricate this ruse on HYDRA. That's self-defeating. It's self-defeating, and there would be no legal justification of, I'm going to need you to shoot the three of us in order to get in good with him, and I'm okay with taking a bullet for the team, as are these guys. That That's not a normal request. And Even though he has been shooting a lot of innocent people here and there. Yeah, it's, that was one of the parts of the episode that's kind of stuck in my craw. It's like, okay, as they're going into the hub, Coulson's telling everybody to use icers because some of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents could be following orders. 
And that would have been awesome at the guest house to have had that. And I need to go back and watch the guest house again to see if it was Garrett who was the one pushing the use of lethal force because he was pretty gung-ho in that episode. So if Garrett was the one with the shoot-first mindset and everybody just went along with that, that puts Coulson in a slightly better position. But this idea of... Now and that is my recollection, was that he was kind of pushed into that, and which makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, look, looking back at, at, at some of the, the earlier podcasts that we had on that exact uh, issue. Uh, and and, and it, it does make sense, um, you know, look, looking back at that episode. And there's always the hope that they listen to us and go like, whoa, whoa, we should not have the good guys just killing people. That I, I think they had this planned out before us. I, I know. But, you know, <laughs> let me dream. Let me dream. The only question I have is if Ward is a good loyal S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I'm still having trouble believing he would have shot the wrong clairvoyant in cold blood. It almost makes me want to believe that he really has turned to Hydra and is now a Hydra agent because that makes sense. He killed an innocent to help them continue this fabrication, and he just killed three more agents to seal the deal. But then we have also Sky to to look at in in that generally men will do really, really stupid things when a woman uh, is, is somehow involved, and especially when it's love for that woman. Uh, you, you might be doing something that you wouldn't normally do. Especially if she's an 084. Right. Yeah, yeah and, and men have been doing stupid things for women for thousands of years. But does Ward know she's an 084? I thought only Coulson and May knew that. That's a good question. Because... Uh, don't know. Because going back, I only thought... I don't think Ward was ever clued into that. That... May and Coulson found out after finding the former agent hiding in Mexico City. I don't, and they told, and and Coulson told Sky, but I'm not sure. Unless, unless Sky at some point told him off, you know, camera. Uh, I, I I don't I can't remember there being any um, any knowledge base for him to have known that. Yeah, but. There could have been, while they were hatching the plan to use LMDs, if that's what they did, apparently they're not afraid to do stuff off camera, you know, because the, the episode before it made it look like Hand was a Hydra agent, which rubbed me wrong because she's the good soldier who follows orders. So that that, that bothered me. So I'm glad. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but this was definitely the shot in the arm the, the series needed. And, you know, thank God for Captain America and that amazing movie. So, so let's talk about the legal issues that jump out. And we've, we've touched on a bunch of them. But when you find out that the militarized spy agency conducting law enforcement has been controlled by a terrorist organization for perhaps 40 years, if not longer, uh, from, from the core... What kind of legal fallout are we going to see uh, from something like that? And, you know, Judge, do you, do you want to take the first bite at that apple? Well, I think any, anything where you're dealing with, with hail anything, so in this case, hail Hydra, you're always going to have the issue of I, I was just following orders. And, and whereas uh, throughout history that's never really been an excuse, uh, there is more of an argument for it here than in other places where you really thought 
that you were following legitimate orders. And the only reason that they turn out to be non-legitimate is that your hierarchy was uh, compromised. So whereas, you know, the, the line soldier uh, still is supposed to refuse an unlawful order, here there clearly is a non-ability to know that it's a uh, non-lawful order. And I, I think that would be a shield um, for those that, that uh, mistakenly follow um, those orders. And I think that's the, the, the main uh, legal issue. I mean, the, the, the other uh, legal issues that, that are going to come into play uh, are, are clearly uh, treason uh, and, and uh, the prosecution for treason of those uh, that are found out to be part of this uh, illegitimate uh, group that's trying to take down uh, the governments of this world. Yeah, and I enjoy the fact that there is an American flag in the op center at the hub. So for those who do not believe that SHIELD is in a you know, United States institution, you generally don't see American flags in prominent places in foreign governments. So, uh, so yeah, it's, the, the makeup of SHIELD is, is strange, but I do believe that treason is a huge issue. And in the unlawful order cases that I've read, which... That's the wonderful thing about the legal geeks. I've researched uh, burying people, medical experimentation on human beings, and treason. And the treason cases that I've looked at, you know, going back from Aaron Burr to the World War II cases, get into a Staten Islander, mind you, Aaron yeah. Burr. Yes, yes. Well, we can cover that part up. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you get into the, the horrific issues of loving war against the United States, and it's not just being part of the conspiracy, but taking action. And then you get into, after that, uh, with the unlawful orders part of it, the order has to be like manifestly beyond the discretion of the commanding officer. And in the World War II cases then, that I saw in, in Korea, Korean War, it's telling somebody to lie on the floor and, you know, shoot them in the back of the head. That soldiers go like, whoa, time out. That doesn't sound right at all. That's not how we do business. And in those opening moments of the, the coup, uh, that would be an act of play on what to do and who not to follow. So, Jerry, being the political consultant, you know, uh, and if how would you advise somebody who had, you know, helped Shield after having a major breakdown like this? What kind of political fallout would you see? Well, I mean, just think about it. Uh, you're going to be watching CNN or or Fox News, and you're going to see three large helicarriers over the Washington Mall collide in midair, crash and burn, destroying. How many millions or billions of dollars in American property in the capital of the U.S.? I would say you're going to hear a lot of cries from people that uh, America shouldn't be part of that organization. They're going to want to have their own sh version of S.H.I.E.L.D. that isn't going to be attacked by outside forces or susceptible to Hydra and outside forces. Um, and you're going to want some American accountability. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of Captain America, where we have the congressional hearing, you also had what looked like the Joint Chiefs of Staff joining in on the hearing, which is procedurally odd. So I don't know if that was a... Some it's weird, Hollywood. It's Hollywood. You know, and I walked out going like, well, that's weird. How do you have congressmen, you know, two branches of government you know, uh, going after somebody? 
uh, from the executive branch and and the uh, legislative. But yeah, that Hollywood moment. But there would be heads would roll, and yeah, I could see Shield going back to its original an acronym from the '60s, and I would be okay with that. That that would that would sound fine to me. Uh, even the 1991 version uh, would would be a welcome uh, change. Uh, after that cataclysmic of an event. Now, I also wonder, since it's a massive organization, and while it did have a decapitation strike, it just doesn't go away. So what kind of organization you know, comes from that and the reorg and who's still left and you know, accepting orders? Uh, that kind of cleanup is profoundly complicated. And do you have any thoughts? I, mean, well, I, I think clearly it's going to need a smaller, leaner organization, which 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 is going to be able to be more easily monitored and controlled. And 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 you could take it from there, Jared. Well, uh, the first thing I was going to say is, uh, given that there is still so much work to be done to find out exactly who's still around in Shield, who's loyal, who's not, and and to deal with them as necessary, why was Maria Hill? applying for a job at Stark Industries, it would seem that as Fury's right-hand gal, uh, she would be in the forefront of the movement to clean S.H.I.E.L.D. up. I, my guess would be that we'll see her a lot in Avengers 2. And because in the original Avengers, when we look back to the 60s and, and up until uh, the fall of the Avengers mansion in, in the mid-80s when, uh, uh, when that great comic came out, that it's because she will work for Stark and Stark will be funding the Avengers initiative himself. And so with Stark Tower now being Avengers Tower, I think it'll be a privatized Avengers army. And I think that's where her involvement would be. But that's just guesswork on my part. But I could see Stark bringing her on board to go, we're going to go clean this mess up ourselves. Well, she's right, I, I can to- see people in S.H.I.E.L.D. At, at this point wanting to just leave it because of what happened to it. And just literally saying, you, you know, it, it, that organization was was so susceptible to this Hydra infiltration that I'm going to start my own group. And, and that, that plays into that the, the Stark storyline that you just mentioned. Well, Maria Hill is going to be on the last show in April of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so hopefully we'll get some answers there. My question is, you know, the, the tone of Captain America in regards to Hydra agents was a little more subtle than this last agent uh, agents of shield episode where you had hand to hand combat in Captain America, the winter soldier. It was more that, you know, it was already over and done with that. This was a coup and that your, our goals have been your goals for the past 70 years. Uh, And that even if you were still a loyal agent of shield, you've been carrying out Hydra's policies for half a century. And that Garrett, actually told Coulson at one point, you know, after the reveal, after Coulson figured it out, Garrett told Coulson, you have been working for Hydra, which really had to ruin his already bad day to hear that. So I could see the revenge factor of, you know, Coulson still being the loyal soldier, loyal to the organization of wanting to continue the fight from within. I think. Did you pick up on the comment that uh, May made to Colson about her picking the team and specifically that she ha- she brought in somebody who could, um, how was it, uh, 
repair his body if it was damaged and uh, deal with his mind as well. A technician to deal with his mind. It, it seems to me that they're laying down a lot of breadcrumbs that Colson really is a life model decoy, maybe with his human brain inserted into it. Yeah. Is that just me? No, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, granted, we, we do hear about the cellular uh, repair and, you know, the blood works good, but maybe it is an LMD, which was my thought from the get go that, you know, that, you know, granted, uh, Fitz might be, you know, the computer whiz, but Simmons is the doctor of the, of the two. So it's, uh, and maybe they haven't made the decision yet. I mean, this show does obviously have a full blown game plan of where they want to go. We hope we, it might've gone a little slower than we wanted. And uh, the question is whether, whether the, the poor ratings will ever let them show that game plan, uh, to future season. Yeah. You know, they're, if it can be done in six episodes, don't do it in 10 little things like that. And if you're going to, if you're going to do and, char- character development to show how cool the Marvel Universe is, do that then. They definitely need to pick up the pace a bit, and they need to embrace their, again, their science fiction roots. There are other espionage shows, Mission Impossible, Alias, who have been far more aggressive in adopting and using science fiction themes in their storylines. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we get the flying car maybe once a season and maybe a couple of exotic weapons every five or six episodes. That's not enough. And clearly the science fiction shows are doing well uh, in, in, on other networks. I mean, it, it's certainly not a time to be hiding uh, sci-fi. You, you have a lot of really good shows, whether it was Lost or now Resurrection, and, and uh, in the sci-fi uh, area that are doing extremely well. So, yes, it, I, I still think it's you know, a bit of an identity crisis. They don't, they, they don't know which audience to play to. And clearly you have an audience because 95 million people saw uh, Captain America over the weekend and, and, and that's your target audience. I mean, the people that watch the Captain America movie, most of them, if there was Captain America 3 next weekend, would go see it. And the reality of the Marvel show is it's Captain America 3. Uh-huh. And it gives you the prequel. It gives you a, 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 an epilogue to the movie. You know, the problem may be that the the corporate chieftains at ABC and Marvel may be playing it safe because they don't want to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. Maybe the ratings decline may have the exact opposite effect, and it may free them and allow them to be the kind of show that they need to be. I don't see them canceling Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. no matter how low the ratings go, because even though the ratings were down, they still won males 18 to 34 this past week. And that's the demographic that ABC is hot to trot for. That's that what they really care about. Right. That's a buying demographic. That's the demographic that buy things. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the network will loosen the reins a little bit and let them fly their freak flag. As they should, because I want to see more spy gizmos. And, you know, Grand the Flying Plane's cool, but just do more have more and they, they've gotten so close with a bunch of these episodes you know, but we've seen the flying car twice you know in mexico city and it wasn't really the full shot of it and and the pilot it's like go big absolutely and why isn't their uh, their bus docking with the, the shield helicarrier every couple of weeks we've never seen the helicarrier on this show 
I think budget for the show. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's, that's a budget thing, but it, uh, most of the stuff is CGI. So, I mean, once, once you have the computer program that has the ship, unless the, you know, the, the studios between the television and the movies are not sharing, which is a possibility too. You know, Grant, we did have, you know, the Stennis underway and, you know, that, that was definitely a Nimitz class carrier. Uh, they and they do look a little different than than the helicarriers. I don't know if they were supposed to you know, say that the Stennis was a helicarrier, but maybe I just know too much, knowing what an aircraft carrier looks like in the different classes, and I know what the numbers are. So, um, but the big seventy-four—that's the Stennis because only senator to have an aircraft carrier named after him. But, but anyway, so. You know, I also look at you know a couple other parts of this as uh, I was thinking with the helicarrier. I started looking up case law about mutinies on ships, and mutinies on ships are pretty broad. That the ship can be in port or it can be at sea, and it doesn't matter if it's in a foreign port or a port in the United States. And, it, and theoretically, it could be at a dry dock in the United States. But when it flies, does that change the mutiny into you know weird form of hijacking or air piracy and there's no legal answer to it because we don't have this in real life so the law is not designed for it but it's it's an interesting uh, intellectual exercise to go could the could those shield agents in addition to treason uh be charged with mutiny or would it be be a form of piracy instead and i think the issue would boil down to since they took control prior to takeoff when the ship was still in effectively its dry dock, that would mean it would be a mutiny and not a form of hijacking, even though it then took flight. But the law is not designed to answer that question. I think they'll just remand those people to the fridge. Yeah. Right. We don't have any flying ships yet. Uh, So the the law will evolve it as as it always has. Yeah, he is, as soon as a you know oil tanker can fly, we can uh, we'll answer that question. But that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, good stuff, good stuff. So excellent. Well, gentlemen, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the future of Agents of Shield? I'd love to see them bring somebody like Jim Starenko in to plot out some things for season two and three. You know, Matt, if you're going to read any of the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic books, there's a great S.H.I.E.L.D. collection in trade paperback featuring all the work by artist Jim Steranko, who wrote and, and drew S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was high art. It's amazing. And he's actually doing a column, I think, for Entertainment Weekly or one of the other magazines where he's reviewing episodes as it goes along. He hasn't been too kind to the show so far, and I can, I can see why. They've, they've taken a very exciting concept and kind of made it boring in, in a lot of episodes. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a Sterenko version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, in seasons two and three. I could say, I, 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 uh, the, the writing for a lot of these uh, comic series has, has been incredible. And, and I think where Marvel has been able to do well over the uh, DC world is the strong writing of its comics. And the movies that have done the best, I think, are the ones that have actually stayed the most loyal to the comic book stories. So, yeah, I, w- I would think exactly. that, that would be a smart thing. Yeah, staying true to the source material is huge. When you look at the fanboy rage at, at the end of Man of Steel where Superman had to snap Zod's neck, a lot of people were pretty upset about that, even though in Superman 2, he, Superman does kill Zod and that. But sticking close to the source material, which is, you know, Arrow's done 
decently at it and, and people like that. And I would hope that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, you know gets, gets in front of the S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, don't hide behind it. You know, fly, have more flying cars and special weapons. And, you know, again, having a fanboy like Patton Oswald, you know, in the upcoming episode, I think is, you know, showing that they're, they could be going that way. And I really do hope that they truly geek out because I love analyzing the legal issues that they throw out like there's no tomorrow. And it, it, it pleases the geek in me and the lawyer simultaneously. So uh, it's good stuff. So. I just think they need to embrace their science fiction adventure background. If they do that, it'll be a great show. They've got great actors. They've got a great crew. Accept the fact that it's a science fiction adventure show and deal with it. Agreed. Agreed. So, well, listen, gentlemen, this has been fascinating, and we should probably do a round robin uh, after you know the next couple episodes where we you know get to see um, the different agents, and and finally after getting to see Fury in the season finale on on where that takes them and what kind of a Avengers two build that they will have because they if there's a second season they could literally spend it building up to Avengers Tale. <laughs> Which would be, I think, a very smart play and and definitely embrace the geek. Fly that flag. So, well, listen, I will. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I know you both are in New York, and uh, I look forward to visiting and hanging out with you boys in person in the future. So Sounds uh, great. Well, gentlemen, thank you, and uh, America, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America. <laughs>